ladies and gentlemen. Today is Thursday, May 12th, and this is episode 5 of the CNC Sportscast. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful Thursday. Uh, today we will be talking about some news like we always start off the show and then kind of similar to Tuesday's show, jumping into some NHL playoff and NBA playoff talk since that is basically what's going on at the moment. So we'll start off with some of our biggest NFL news kind of of the week. Uh, some of the biggest news as of recently, Denver Broncos wide receiver Jerry Judy joins the shame club as he has been arrested facing charges of criminal tampering with domestic violence enhancer. Don't know exactly what that means, but I'm sure as time goes on, more will be leaked about exactly what he did and maybe probably how long maybe he'll get suspended or what's going to happen with that. Uh, New England Patriots trading for backup quarterback Jared Stenham. Um, or sorry, New England Patriots trading backup quarterback Jared Stidham to the Las Vegas Raiders. And Moe, we talked about this off the podcast a little bit. You kind of – why don't you go ahead and explain kind of your thinking on why this is happening. Well, I think that, of course, Josh McDaniels was just hired as the new head coach in uh, Las Vegas, which I think was a very good hiring and definitely for a, an offensive competitive division as the AFC West is. But I believe that he liked the way that Stenham played. And if you remember that season, I believe it was in 2022, it looked like Stenham was going to be the starter until they signed Cam Newton. But I think that shows that um, Josh McDaniels had faith in Stenham. And, yes, we all know that they have uh, Derek Carr, of course, and that he's the franchise there right now. But it's always good to have a good quality backup, especially after losing Marcus Mariota in free agency. Yeah, I say this move is like because most people would be like, "Oh, it's just Jared Stidham," and you know he hasn't proved really anything as of late. But I would say this is actually kind of concerning if you're in the AFC West because, I mean, if Josh McDaniels has coached some great quarterbacks, has turned quarterbacks into great quarterbacks, you know, I mean, a lot, you know, or even good, you know, not great maybe all the time, but you know, at least find some success. Uh, so it's maybe a little concerning that. Josh McDaniels likes Stidham so much that he wants him on his team in Las Vegas. So maybe a little concerned going around the AC West after that move for the future of that, or maybe even Derek Carr, you know, you know, looking behind his back a little bit now worried about his job. Um, so what else we got? Trayvon Walker agrees uh, with Jacksonville on his terms of his rookie contract. Congrats to Trayvon for getting paid. Uh, there's been a lot of schedule leaks. Um, Recently, I'll go through some of the newest ones I've heard. So the full Thanksgiving slate has now been confirmed. All right, let's see what Thanksgiving's going to look like this year. We're going to start out with the Bills and the Lions at uh, about 1230 Eastern. Then we'll get Giants-Cowboys at 330 in the night game, Patriots versus Vikings. So uh, kind of an interesting slate of games there. I mean, we'll kind of have to wait to see how the season progresses to see how many of those games will be worth watching. I mean – you always get the Lions and Cowboys on uh, to play on Thanksgiving. And uh, Lions-Bills doesn't sound like it will be that interesting, but we'll have to see uh, Cowboys-Giants. It will be a rivalry game, so maybe it will be kind of interesting. Um, the defending Super Bowl LA Rams will open the 2020 season against the Buffalo Bills. That will be a good game to watch. Uh, Von Miller returning to Los Angeles. Let's see what else we got. Um 
the Jets will open their season at a home opener versus Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Be the 21st anniversary of 9 11. Uh, that'll be that'll be pretty cool to see in New York. They'll probably be a big um, a big uh, kind of commencement and 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 uh, event around that. Some other interesting games have been released. Uh, where was the the Bucks will host the Chiefs in Week Four on Sunday night on AB or on NBC. That'll be an awesome game. Obviously, Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes. You know, maybe the last time we'll see it. I mean, we never know. So uh, that's probably definitely going to be a must-watch. Um, let's see. Uh, is that kind of wrapping up? Oh, the Packers will host the Cowboys in Week 10. Mike McCarthy returning to Lambeau Field, and uh, that could be an emotional time for him. McCarthy spent a lot of time in Green Bay, and even though he left, I think, you know, not the most like guy in Green Bay uh, – um, it'll definitely probably be an emotional time for him to go back to a place where he won a Super Bowl too. I forget about that. He won a Super Bowl. Be an interesting uh, experience for him there. And then there was another one I wanted to talk about. Here it is. Russell Wilson will return to Seattle as a member of the Broncos in week one on Monday night football. Uh, so straight off the bat, week one, first time Joe, Joe, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman will call a game for ESPN will be Russell Wilson facing his former teams uh, in Seattle too. So that'll be an awesome watch. Mo, those games, any of the ones that really catch your eyes is some that you're going to mark your calendar down for? Uh, I mean, I definitely got to say that Chiefs-Buccaneers game. I mean, as you said, we don't know how much longer Brady we're going to get. And I think that's going to be a game that will definitely – at throughout the season as you know that's a must win game if you want to get that one seed I know they're from different conferences but as you know the race in the NFL since there's so few games uh you need one yeah and I just found this this is so I'm not going to go through every game but this is the, the week one schedule has been released at least this is like the newest thing I saw. So like I talk about first game of the year, first regular season game of the year will be Buffalo at Rams. That'll be an awesome game to see. Uh, some of the, the Sunday games that might be kind of interesting. I mean, your Saints will be playing the Falcons week one and the Texans will play the Colts. So we got some division games going there, but uh, those are some the noons games. Um, let's see what else we got. Kansas City at Arizona is one of the better later games. Uh Raiders versus Chargers, and then Sunday night we'll get Tampa Bay versus Dallas. That'll be an interesting game, probably a pretty good game. And then that Monday night we'll get to cap off week one in an awesome fashion. Denver versus Seattle. Uh, Kobe, or Kobe, sorry, RIP Kobe. Uh, Russell going back to play his old team will just be an awesome experience. And, uh, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how he – kind of plays that out all right let's go on um uh, yeah i got a couple other things i found and one of them was austin matthews uh igor is it chistankin chisterkin and Connor mcdavid were named as the nhl hard trophy finalist so just you know a shout out to those guys and then another interesting thing i found is uh former 
Chargers running back Danny Woodhead advances past the local round in U.S. Open qualifying. So that's always interesting to see. He did what? Uh, he passed local round in U.S. Open qualifying or qualifying rounds. Hey, any boy, Danny Woodhead. That's pretty good. I remember what that's kind of weird. It's like one of those guys that you don't really think about, you know, and then it's like, it's like, oh, yeah, shoot. I remember that dude playing for the Chargers. Hey, there you go, Danny Woodhead. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of interesting. There was also other – I was just going to go on to some NBA news. I mean, obviously we'll cover more about the NBA games and stuff. But uh, Kyle – did we already say – no, this is today's news. Kyle Lowry ruled out for game six. Um, that looks like it's kind of top in the NBA news. Let's see, and we'll talk more about how those games went last night, what we got tonight. We'll go, we'll kind of go into that. And NHL, like you said, yeah, the uh, congrats to Matthew Shesterkin and McDavid to being Hart Trophy uh, finalists. That's a big, big deal. Uh, Sidney Crosby, that's another big deal. As we kind of, this will be our transition into NHL uh, playoff talk, but Sidney Crosby took. Mo, did you see this hit that Sidney Crosby took? Did you? There's been a lot of conversation here. If you haven't seen it, I'll give you a second one. Go look it up. But if you've already, I think you've already seen yeah, it. Yeah, I've seen it. I, th- I thought it was a dirty hit. If I'm being there's honest, been, there's been a lot of like a uh, fifty feet. I mean, it definitely depends. You know, there's some fan bias, and then you know, there's some of the older school guys who are like, "Oh, it was a clean hit, and he's a, being a baby," and. And if you watch the highlight back, he definitely took a little bit of a chicken wing out there straight to the face. But also, there's been the argument that maybe Sid should have had his head up. And if he would have had his head up, he would have seen it coming so that he kind of, like, ran himself to that play. But uh, that could be a big loss. Um, uh, There hasn't been – it said they're evaluating him for an upper body injury is the latest update. That was this afternoon, but uh, nothing really new uh, happening on that front, but that could be a big loss for the Penguins as he's the heart and soul of that team. And he's obviously the captain. So he's leading them to a lot of success recently. And if he's unable to come back, that would be huge for, uh, a huge loss for the Penguins and a great motivator, honestly, for uh, for uh, you know New York to um, turn that series around. And speaking of that, so that series is now. At so three. I got a question about that Crosby. Do you think that changes the momentum of that game? Like that the Rangers were able to take that game away, that must win game away because of that hit, or do you think that was just mere coincidence that that happened the same game that? And the Rangers just, you know, managed to stay alive. In that specific game, I feel like, I mean, anytime you get a big hit, I feel like it switches momentum in that game. But just kind of the parts I saw of that game, it definitely felt like the Rangers were riding the heavy momentum. I mean, the Penguins came out hot. I mean, if you would have just based on the first period, I mean, I'm pretty – like it was – so it was 1-0 after the first period. And I'm pretty, and then the Rangers turned it more on in the second period and inflicted on, and, and obviously to finish it in third. But like to start of that game, the Penguins looked hands down the better team. I mean, they were getting more shots on goal, they were playing much better, and they were hands down, like I said, looked like the better team. But then New York found a way to just flip it. You know, it just takes one goal, 
And then they found out that, you know, Louis Domingue had some, uh, that's the thing that's scary about the Rangers are now kind of figuring out that the, the Penn's goalie Domingue is, is has some holes in his game that they're, they're starting to take a little bit of advantage of. I mean, you can't let up five goals in the playoffs. I mean, there's been, it's definitely been a high scoring playoffs, but I mean, you just can't do it, especially with a guy like Shesterkin on the other end as the got to know that you can't be expecting, you know, to get a bunch of goals against him because that's just, that's just not going to happen as good goalie. So I feel like I, it sucks because it's like, uh, so the guy's name that hit him was Truba and he's like, he's, I feel like for him, it was definitely a motivator. Now the whole game he was kind of playing, I think that to that mindset, I mean, he had an earlier hit on Gensel that you definitely could have considered dirty, kind of gave him a sucker punch to the back of the head that he got a penalty for it early in the game. And then, obviously, later he has that hit on Crosby. So, I feel like he's definitely playing that physical game. But uh, I feel like – so, I, I feel like you're – I feel like it would be arrogant to say it didn't flip momentum. I feel like it definitely did. And as much as I'm sure it was not his intention to, you know, knock out Crosby out of the game and possibly out of the next game, you can say that it has no – it would be arrogant to say it has no effect on them. I mean, if he's out of the game and that they hear that, that's got to be huge. I mean, not like they're already motivated enough because they can't lose another one, but that's just going to add to the motivation. I mean, really, they – because, like, you think, oh, they're down 3-2, but really really from the Rangers' perspective, they're like, we just got to win two more, and one of those are going to be at home. I mean, the hardest game for them – and it's ironic to say it's because they lose one more. Like I said, they're out. But the biggest game is they got to win the next one because it's away, and being away for them is going to be rough. But – Going on the road, they got to win that one. That'll be tomorrow at a, at a six. That'll be a, an interesting game to watch, especially if Sid doesn't play. But even if he does play, we'll have to see, you know, what motivation he's with. And if he doesn't play, maybe the Penguins can find a way to motivate themselves. Because if they win that game, that'll be huge because then you get a bigger gap for Crosby to, uh, to heal up before the next series. Um, some other finals from yesterday. We had the Panthers top and the Capitals in a tight net series as of late, winning 5-3 uh, in that in the game last night. That's been another amazing, awesome, high-scoring series to watch of a team. Two teams battling it out, it seems like, every single game. Um, that's a hard series to call. I mean, it's it's been so highly contested, and the Panthers now have the upper hand, but it's – I mean, it's a rough one. It's one of those uh, – I mean, honestly, should give major credit to the Capitals for sticking in a series with being, a, you know, a wild-card team and as highly regarded as the Panthers were coming into this. I don't think – I think the Panthers will go on the next game and win it just because I feel like they are the better team. They played better majority of the season. But, uh, I mean, the, it has just – the Capitals are a lot like the Penguins where it's just so hard to count them out because they have so much talent. I mean, they have Oshie, they have, uh, they have Guchnekskov, they have uh, Ovechkin. There's just so many guys in that team that makes it hard to rule them out. The, the difficulty for them has been goaltending. They have young goaltenders, which makes it, uh, hard for them you know that's definitely their weakness but if they're goalie consent maybe they have a chance but i think panthers is just too much for them uh and then the other game so was what do you think about the 3-0 lead that the capitals blew in that game 
in that specific game, definitely for them surprising because of their veteran presence. I mean, like I said, guys like Oshi, Kuznetskov, and uh, Ovechkin, and Carl, even Carlson, those are guys who have been in the league long enough that a team full of veterans like that, you wouldn't expect that to happen, but it did, which is a little uh, – it's concerning too because then you're not – and now even the Panthers will be riding even more momentum into the next game, which is going to make it – the Capitals are going to have to come out hot in the, in the, in the next game tomorrow if they want a real shot at um, at – at this series. But yeah, like you said, pointing that out, that is an interesting thing that, you know, I mean, uh, very similar to the Penguins game too, where it's like, it makes these games even more worth watching. Cause it's like the team that comes out hot is not always a team that wins. Whereas, uh, you know, usually that's, is the case, you know, these momentum game flitches so much, it makes them so fun to watch. Uh, and then the final game from yesterday, the flame star series, Calgary now leads that series three, two, uh, I think, you know, Calgary's just too much for the Stars. I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm, I mean, I gave a lot of credit to the Stars that they've managed to watch two games. I think Calgary will go into the next game. I guess they, if I had to guess that game's in Dallas, I can look it up really quick. But um, but that'll be a big that, – that, I, I would be shocked if the uh, – yeah, next game will be in Dallas tomorrow, and I would be shocked if the – uh, if the Flames can't find a way to pull out that game. I feel like they've been the better team. They have an amazing um, goaltender in Markstrom that's played really well. And uh, so I think they'll find a way to win that series. Uh, kudos to the Stars for winning two games, but uh, I feel like Flames are a more talented team there. Uh, right today, we got a big slate of games, some very, very uh, exciting series tonight. We have four teams all going for the win of their series tonight, starting off in the game that's going to be on here in about 30 minutes, the Hurricanes Bruin games, which has turned into an awesome series. This game is in Boston, but the, but the Hurricanes are up 3-2. This is a time for the Hurricanes. But here's the interesting thing about the series is it has played out exactly like the way, you know, that you would kind of expect these things to from two highly contested teams. You know, it started in in her in uh, Carolina in that awesome environment they have there uh, where the Hurricanes won, the, you know, the first two games. But then it goes back to Boston and the momentum completely flips and Brad Marchand turns it on and they're able to win the next two games. So – and then they go back to Carolina and Carolina wins. So now theoretically they go back to Boston, Boston should win. And usually you would say because Boston's, you know, riding or, but Carolina's riding the high of the victory, they should win, but they were riding the high earlier by winning two games and they lost it when Boston turned it on. So I feel like as long as Boston finds that edge, they'll be good. So it makes it a very interesting game to watch, but you know, the hurricanes are very good squad I think they win the series, even if it goes to a game seven, because I just, I, I mean, as terrible as Boston has played in that, uh, in that series at Carolina, I really don't see a way that, that Boston can win there in the series. So I think either way, the Hurricanes pull this out. The only advantage they have to winning it now is they get a little bit longer of a rest period, except especially for a series that went into six games, uh, before the next series. So that'll be an awesome game to watch.
Um, then we got the, the Leafs Lightning series, Toronto pulling off the win in the uh, in the last game, and now the game series going back to Tampa Bay. I mean, uh, I feel like this is, this this first run of the NHL plus have been awesome, but this series another. I mean, because the Lightning are are obviously should be incredibly motivated as they're going to you know back to back to back the Cubs, and that's an incredible feat. I mean, I don't know. You know, I don't have stats or anything right in front of me, but I would assume that that hasn't been done or hasn't been done in forever. But um, the Lightning, another team that has the guys to get it done, and but they, they got to be able to flip this momentum or it could be bad. I so honestly the, think this is – is it a little bit of a shock to the world that the Leafs are up, or do you think that the Leafs actually have the more talented team this year and that it's that they're just showing it and now it's just shocking people because the Lightning have been so good for so long? Yeah, yeah, I think it's exactly that. I think the Leafs are are – I mean, obviously they got lost to Matthews, and everybody knows he is. But I think the Lightning are so high regarded because they're becoming this dynasty of a team that is so good. You know, they've made the obviously I don't, made the playoffs the last three years at least, and and they've won Stanley great years, which makes them a dynasty. Which means, you know, even if you're not a constant hockey fan, you know who they are. You know, you you you're because you see them win every year, and so. They're so in high. They're like you said. They're hold held in such high regard that when they that when they you know lose, it's almost like wait, they're supposed to be this dynasty. How can that happen? But I think you're. Right. I think the Leafs are the more the Leafs are the more talented team. I, I mean, then they're playing with motivation too. The Leafs need to bring a Stanley Cup home, and maybe this is the year because they haven't done it in a long time, and it's about time. All right, going into the. Uh, third game tonight, and that's the Wild and the Blues series. Um, the Blues lead this series 3-2, and they get a go-back-home. Huge win for the Blues. Or, sorry, not last night, but a couple nights ago, because now they – that was in Minnesota. Now they get to go back home tonight and attempt to close out that series. I think good night, Wild. The Blues are the better team. I think this is it for the Wild season. I would – if. If I was going to put money on any of the games tonight, I would put game money on this this game because I really think the Blues are a better team. They're going – I mean, Mo, you saw when the, whenever the Preds played the Blues at home in the playoffs. That's a crazy – I mean, we've actually been to the stadium in St. Louis. Yeah. It's an incredible atmosphere. They got a, a crazy arena in there, and especially now that this is a game that the, that the Blues can close out the series in, they're going to fill that place to the to the top with fans. It's going to get loud. And uh, I feel like the Wild have it's an like I feel like I mean I just feel like the Blues are the more talented team, even though they're lo- lower ranked team. I feel like they played the better team, and uh, yeah, I, I I don't see the Wild winning this game, but I see this series not being like the Hurricane series. I can see going into a game seven, um, the least Lightning game. Obviously, I can see going into a game seven, but the Wild Blues games. I see this series ending tonight with the blues winning this game, um, maybe close, maybe not, but however it ends, I think the wild season comes to an end tonight. So that'll be worth watching. Definitely. And then the final game, the nine o'clock game, and honestly a series because, you know, we're in the central time that I haven't watched a bunch of the Kings Oilers series, the Kings lead the series and similar to the way the blues are, they get to come home, uh, tonight and play the Oilers, um, 
at nine o'clock. And uh, like I said, I, I, I um, sorry, I was looking at uh, some news here. This news pop that I saw once I hit on the game, Edmonton Oilers, uh, Darnell Nurse suspended after headbutting Los Angeles Kings, Phil Denault, Philip Denault. So uh, it seems like it's been an aggressive series in that, which honestly, for the way the style I, uh, the Kings play, not surprising there that the series has probably been as physical as it looks like it has. Um, so I got a question about this Oilers series. Yeah. As they fired their coach, I'm not sure. I think it was before the playoffs, but how does that affect the team going into a playoff series? Oh, yeah. I mean, you you, you would think it's arrogant to say that it doesn't affect them. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, because now that you say that, I completely forgot about that. Uh, if you don't mind, like while I'm talking, maybe looking up why they fired him or if there's some reason to that. Because I, I, now that you said it, I remember when that news happened, but I actually didn't even really think about it. But yeah, I mean, obviously, changes in your building is not a good thing. I mean, it's like the Penguins losing, then it's losing your voice of reason. It's losing, you know, even just the constants that's been in your building you know you like having the same thing all the way up the end so last minute changes can be scary for a team and um it can definitely throw off your rhythm especially even like a coach I mean I think in in hockey assistant coaches carry a lot of the burden but it's still you know it's that voice you hear before every game it's the voice you're on the bench so it can definitely affect the way you play the game and it would be arrogant to say that it doesn't Oh, so it looks like they fired him because during December and January, they won just two out of 15 games, and apparently they got blown out six consecutive times, and I think they just thought his time was over, so they pulled him, especially since the talent with all-stars uh, Connor McDavid and uh, Leon Drastel? Drastel, Drastel yeah, Drastel. yeah, and that makes sense. I mean – I feel like they're in a similar position the Preds are, where they have the talent and have had the talent to be a lot better than they are. I mean, they should be a, maybe a finals team or at least get into the semifinals, and they haven't been. And I feel like, you know, I mean, that blows back on the coach. Like, that's why we we're talking about maybe John Hines is not going to be there next year in Nashville because these guys come in and they have the talent and they can't win with it. So, I think it's a slightly surprising to fire him right before the playoffs. And now that you say that, I'm going to go ahead and go on a limb and say at home, the Kings finish this series tonight too, because I just, I mean, that's basically management saying you don't even have faith in your own team. Because if you're firing your coach right before um, the playoffs, uh, that's basically saying, because then you're not hiring a new coach. It's not like you're like, oh, let's hand the reins straight over to somebody else. So your game plan is not going to be able to – or your overall theme and uh, the like, mindset of the team is not going to change. And neither is, like, the way the, – the, the mindset that your team's going to be in. It's only going to affect it negatively. So Kings already up 3-2. I'm going to go and call it tonight. I think the Kings end the series riding the wave of winning the game uh, a couple nights ago. I, I don't see – especially, yeah, the last game they won 4-0. So I, I think the Kings, both the Kings and the Blues close out series tonight and, uh, and Hurricanes possibly, uh, but I think that that did a good chance that, game, that series goes to a game seven because of uh, just how much success the Bruins have found at home. But I, I find it hard for the Bruins to win that series just because of how much uh, 
how much uh, how the, just how terrible they've been in the Carolina building, which is uh, don't get me wrong, a, a hard place to win. And then again, the Maple Leafs uh, Lightning will be another awesome. I mean, those that's so six and six thirty games, which are actually starting here in only about twenty minutes. Two game, two games that are going to be awesome to watch, just because they're going to be two series. I both see them. Good chance they go to a game seven, and uh, two, uh, four teams. I mean, Hurricanes obviously trying to live up to the expectation. They have the Bruins trying to spoil the party, and then the Leafs Lightning series. I mean, the Lightning, you know, striving for history, and the Leafs also. I mean, the Leafs trying to break, kind of break that curse of not being able to win the cup. So. uh yeah, I think that wraps up about – I mean, I, we can go ahead and talk about tomorrow's – I can go ahead and real quick just kind of preview. I mean, we've talked about most of these already, but – and then tomorrow, since we won't be on until again, until next Tuesday probably, tomorrow's game will have, you know, the Rangers and Penguins, like I said, what to see kind of where uh, where Crosby, where his injury status ends up, I think completely determines how that series goes. Capitals, Panthers, uh, I think Panthers are starting to show that they're the better team. But, again, kind of like the Stars credit to the Capitals will keep fighting. Maybe the Pack Capitals will continue to fight, but I think Florida finds a way to win that game. It is in, in uh, Washington and D.C., so it might be a little hard. Uh, Calgary Flames, like I said, I see tomorrow the Flames winning that game and winning that series right then and there. And then, uh, yeah, those will be the three games on tomorrow to make it make an interesting uh, – Interesting day, but tonight definitely some great games on. Check them out. Um, yeah, I think we'll head over to the Mo. You can go ahead and let's get a little look NBA talk going on. All right, so I'm going to start with the games that occurred last night. I'm going to start with the Bucks Celtics series. And the Bucks took a big one here at, at TD Garden. Um, now they control the series. They lead 3-2, and they're going to Milwaukee for that next game. And I think it's going to be hard to beat him in Milwaukee, especially with the way that Giannis has been playing. And I feel like Drew Holiday has been stepping into that Chris Middleton role, which was a question I was wondering who he's going to be able to, you know, fill that vile role that Chris Middleton plays alongside Giannis. But, I mean, I wouldn't include the Celtics out yet. because, In my opinion, I think they're the more talented team. I think they're more, you know, around the board. I think they got more notable names like Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, Jalen Brown. I mean, those are all very notable names. And even guys like Daniel Tice coming off the bench is a pretty big name. And, I mean, it's been a series. I mean, besides game one and two, every other game has been decided by single-digit points. And, I mean, this last game is decided by three points. So, I think it's definitely going to be a series that comes down to the wire. I would not be shocked to see a game seven. But, however, I do think that Giannis is going to be able to close it in this at game six in Milwaukee with the environment around him. And I think it's just going to make him play better. And I think he'll go off that game. And, I mean, I think if the Celtics want to win this series – I think, of course, I mean, it's hard. He's impossible to stop by. You know, you can't say make a game plan for Giannis because he's just so good offensively. But what you can make a game plan is a game plan to get your shooters open and your playmakers. Like, in this game, they lost. Jason Tatum went two for 11 from three-point range, and you need to find a way. I mean, he did score 34, but you need to find a way 
to get that three-point percentage up for him because, I mean, that's how you're going to win these games is not by, you know, trying to guard Giannis and trying to defend the Bucs, but since they're so well offensively, it's more of trying to outscore. Your thoughts? Well, I was going to say, yeah, looking at kind of – and I heard this, and I I didn't watch it in the game, but I kind of saw some. So, I mean, obviously losing by four points pretty heartbreaking – and, uh, I mean, they got outscored 33-21 to 21 in the fourth quarter, which is – I mean, that's just – like, do you think Boston has trouble closing out games and that affects them in the rest of the series? Like, because uh, now they got to worry about Milwaukee, who's been the better closer in the game. Now they're closing out the series. Do you think that affects Boston, or they bounce back pretty quick from that? I mean, I think I personally think it's not as a matter of fact as if Boston is good at close or bad at close. I think it's more that I mean the Bucks. I mean this is a team that won the NBA Finals last year, and I think that they're used to this playoff experience, this hype, and especially with a guy like Giannis, who's just so consistent and always playing so well. I think they're extremely well and extremely good at closing games like this. And I do think that has a huge effect on the series because I think that means that you need to, of course, build up a lead early, but you also need to be able to build either build a huge lead or you need to maintain that lead going down the stretch. And as you said, I mean, they were outscored by 12 points in the fourth quarter and lost by three. I mean, that's that's just not good. I mean, that means you had a good lead coming into the fourth quarter, a lead that was maintainable, and a lead that you should have been able to hold on to. And if they're able to hold on to that, it would be they would have the control of the series. But now that Milwaukee has it heading into Milwaukee, I think it's just going to be. I mean, I told, like I said, I mean, it's a very talented Celtics team. I think everyone still left in this playoffs is very talented. But I would be not necessarily shocked, but I'd be surprised if Giannis wasn't able to put away in a game six. All right, so going on to the next one, and kind of a shock for some people, the Grizzlies blowing out the Warriors um, without John Moran. Of course, the Warriors still lead the series 3-2, but I think this is a game that boosts the momentum of the Grizzlies. And, I mean, this is a game, we talked about the Warriors' three-point shooting before. They shot 36%, which is not terrible, but, you know, it's it's not good. Of course, only scoring 95 points in an NBA league is not good. And I mean, but if you look at the Grizzlies, I think they've shown that they have players on the court that can score other than John Morant, like Jared Jackson Jr., Titus Jones, and uh, I believe it's Desmond Bain all scored uh, 21 points. And I mean, I think that gives the Grizzlies momentum in the series and uh, yes, they're going to have to go to Golden State in um, game six. But I think if they're able to get John Morant back and they're able to play like this, I think they might be able to come back from the hole they dug themselves in. And I think if the Warriors want to win the series, they either need to – I think they just need to shoot the ball better or take more open shots and, you know. I mean, maybe let's see how the rebounding numbers were. I mean, they were way out-rebounded in 55. So, I mean, you do need to get those boards because the chance opportunities, I feel like, at the NBA level, especially in a playoff game, helps so much because you're gaining those extra possessions on teams. And uh, turnover-wise, it was 
22 and the Grizzlies had nine. So that's another area where it's like, uh, you know, you can't do that. I mean, Draymond Green had five turnovers of his own. And I mean, you just, you know, that's just not good basketball, just sloppy basketball. And I feel like that's why the Grizzlies were able to blow out the Warriors. How do you feel about that game? Uh, yeah, so two main points in my analysis on the game. One, uh, I apologize to the Memphis Grizzlies because the last time I basically said that uh, there was no chance that they were going to win this series that John Morant was out. and Because uh, they were down 3-1, right? And then winning this game. Yeah, they were down another 3-2. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I had did, definitely did not see this coming. Uh, I mean, the Grizzlies, shout out to them. I mean, like you said, looking at the the, the numbers, they, they they were able to toss the rock around. It wasn't one guy, but the team on his back. It was clearly them moving the rock around, getting everybody good looks, everybody playing good. I mean, uh, like you said, the Warriors weren't abysmal from three, so the Grizzlies, you know, were doing it on offense too. Um, and I, the other thing was, do you think the absence of Steve Kerr on the sideline had anything to do with this abysmal loss? Uh, yeah, I do, because I think that's a part of the reason. If you look at this, I mean, 22 as an assist total, I mean, that's not high, so they weren't passing the rock. 22 turnovers, so a one turnover to one assist ratio is terrible, and I think that has to do with the coach, because I think you know, that's the coach, if you get into a bad rhythm like that, especially your head coach knows how to kind of like chillax a team, make sure they know what they're doing, make sure they got their head in the game. But I feel like that uh, maybe the assistant coach or everyone taking over, it's just, I mean, Steve Kerr is such a great coach and a great presence on that sideline. And I mean, that's a great point you made. And this is another reason why Memphis was able to take away this game. But I also think, you know, even if he was there, I mean, they got blown out by about, 40 points so I don't know if it makes that much of a difference I just think the Grizzlies came out on the court came out on their home court and they looked like the better team they looked like the two seed in this game yeah I definitely do think the one like it kind of relates back to when we talk about the Oilers too it's like it shows it does show how much having that coach even if it's just the fact that he's a constant variable that he's there like how much having that coach there, like the difference it does make. And it's like part of the reason I said the Kings are going to win. But it's a good example, I feel like, of showing how important even just having your coach. Because, like, these guys are professionals. But just having that guy on the sideline who can remind you of stuff and who's a constant, uh, you know, presence is is definitely has to have some sort of impact. But like you said, even if he was there, they probably still lost. But to lose that bad, I feel like it would be, like you said, like they had to have probably a little, even a little bit of an impact. Oh, uh, last thing, I'm just going to highlight a couple stats. The offensive rebounding, Grizzlies had 18, Warriors had four. And like I was talking before, you need to get those possessions. And like, in my opinion, I think that's almost 14 possessions that the Warriors lost on just then. And then you look at the steals category, 12 for the Grizzlies, three for the Warriors. And I feel like the Warriors came out there and they played sloppy ball and that they're going to need to turn their heads around in the in, in this series, at least in game six or seven, if they want to come away with the win, because I mean, any team that's left here is no joke. These are all contending teams, in my opinion, and can easily beat one another. Now I'm going to head on to the games tonight. Uh, I'm going to start with the one at 6 p.m., and that's, of course, Central Time, and that's the Heat and the Sixers. And the Heat are leading this series – three to two and I like the Sixers of course putting up a fight but I think it's game set match 
I think the Heat are going to win this one. It is in Philly, but I think the Heat are the better team. I think they're more well-rounded. Of course, the absence of Kyle Lowry is a big one, but I mean, they're able to win 120 to 85 without him. So I think the Heat just have so much talent all around. And I'm in, um, especially still coming off that bench, I feel like they're deeper. But I mean, I think Joel Embiid or James Harden is just going to have to put on a clinic if they're going to want to win this next game. Especially since, I mean, I feel like the Heat are starting to hit fire and. I mean, that's, they're a dangerous team, as we saw in the regular season. Of course, how they got the one seed is when guys like Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo start to hit their stride, they can be very dangerous. And I feel like they're also a very good defensive team. I feel like they work well defensively from when I've seen them play. And I feel like that's another reason why they're doing so well in this series, because, I mean, as you look, 28% from three-point line for the Sixers. I don't think that's as much as, oh, they can't shoot the three, but I think that's more of like uh, the Heat are going out there to contest those shots. And so I feel like that's what's going to help the Heat close this game here tonight, uh, close this game six. What do you think about this series? Yeah, I think uh... – like you said, with Kyle Lowry being out and he was out the last game, it really is showing the Heat are starting to show why they're the one seed. And, and uh, so I think you're right. I think he, I think Miami, if they don't close it out tonight, hands down they go home and win in seven. But, uh, yeah, I think there's a good chance they close it out tonight. I think they're showing finally as a one seed. And if I'm either Milwaukee or Boston, whoever wins that series and got to play Miami next, I mean, there's definitely – I feel like uh, probably a little bit – I would be a little like uh, – I would start riding hard in this Miami team just because especially as well as they played. I mean, winning 120-85 last time without Lowry and eventually getting him back uh, probably if given that they win tonight into the next series, get hopefully getting him back healthy. That's scary for whoever wins, you know, because I feel like the Sixers are definitely not a team that you should sleep on. I mean, being the four seed – uh, that that one in, that beat Toronto, and now let's see a team that hasn't played that bad against Miami, but had a team with names like Harden and Embiid, being able to beat them, uh, and have uh, not have Lowry for a couple games, especially if they win tonight, be able to win that series, come back, get Kyle Lowry back, and play like that's a scary that's a scary one seed to to see in the next round. Yeah, and I was just looking at the box line of that other game, and it wasn't like the. Sixers were having turnovers like we talked about in that Warriors game, but it looked like they just got outplayed on offense. I feel like the Heat are more consistent on offense, and that's what's going to help them win the series. And now as we go on to another game that I think will be close tonight, and that's the Phoenix Mavericks game. I mean, we all love Luka, but the Suns are so talented, and I think they might be the best team in the NBA with their uh, 64 and 18 record. And I think they're just going to be too much for Luca, especially when you got guys like Devin Booker, DeAndre Aiden, Chris Paul. I feel like all those guys are, I mean, I feel like Devin Booker has definitely hit the superstar level. And I feel like Chris Paul is definitely an all-star and DeAndre Aiden is definitely an all-star and they work so well together. And a team that's led by just Luca, I feel like, um, it's just not going to be enough, you know? 
I feel like, I mean, we talked about how Giannis is able to carry that Bucks team, but he needed that piece alongside him. But looking at this last game, which they got blown out by 30, I mean, Luca really doesn't have – I mean, Brunson's, you know, he play, he plays well, but I feel like Luca doesn't have that piece alongside him that's going to make them a good championship team, especially when you look at the one seed and the Suns. He just has so much talent. Paul, Aiton, Bridges, even uh, McGee and Biombo coming off the bench. I mean, those are all pretty notable names. And I feel like they're going to show it tonight, even though it is in Dallas. And that hometown is definitely going to help them. So I feel like it's going to be a closer game than this game five was. But I feel like the Suns will be able to close out the series. Do you have any thoughts on this series? Yeah, I agree. I think the Mavericks lean too heavy on Luka to put that team on his back. Um, I could definitely see this one going to a seven because, you know, uh, big-time players make big-time plays in big-time situations. And for Luka, uh, this has got to be as big as it gets. And, uh, you know, we see games where uh, where uh, teams uh, win and it's seemingly one guy who does it. But um, – so I can see this game going seven, but yeah, like you said, I think the Suns are too much for them. I think they go into uh, even if it goes to a seven back home in Phoenix, they win. I I mean the biggest thing for the series for me has been somebody will kind of stand more on the outside, not watching every single game, has been the drama uh, between uh, Chris Paul and uh, and 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 Luca. Maybe that's getting in Luca's head. Maybe it's not. It seems like it's getting Chris. I think in the last game he only got seven points, but you know he he maybe he plays even more. Maybe that means he plays even more motivated tonight with a chance to eliminate Luca. So uh, yeah, I could I I could see it going to a seven if Luca finds a way to flip that switch, kind of you know as he does sometimes. And but yeah, like you said, I would not be surprised if if the Suns win tonight. Um, I don't think it's as set in stone as the Heat game, as the Heat winning possibly tonight. But I yeah, there's a good chance and. Uh, and if if they don't win it tonight, yeah, I, I think they probably win it in seven. Oh, I mean, I definitely agree with you. You can never leave a guy like Luka Doncic out. But I feel like, you know, in order for them to win, they're going to need a Brunson or a Finney Smith to step up in a bigger role and help him carry that offensive load. Because I feel like you can only do so well for so long. And then when teams believe that you're the only scoring threat, it's easier to stop, especially when you got to – such a good defensive team as the Suns. But, I mean, that's all the NBA games there are in these next couple of days. And, um, I mean, of course, on Friday, uh, you'll have the Celtics-Milwaukee. Uh, and I believe Milwaukee will close that series in Milwaukee. And then you got the Grizzlies-Golden State game, which I think will be interesting. Because I think if the Grizzlies can win this game, I think they'll win game seven no matter what. But I think it just is a matter of are the Warriors going to come to play? Or is Curry going to show the playmaker he is? You know, are those guys like uh, Quay Thompson and Jordan Poole, are they going to be able to hit their three ball like we see them in the regular season? And I think that will be a big question in that game six. You got any thoughts of those games coming up? Yeah, so those games tomorrow, uh, I definitely feel like more intrigued than the games in the series that are tomorrow, the Warriors, uh, Grizzlies series, and the Celtics buck, because I feel like the Heat and the Suns, and the Heat and the Suns have kind of the series they're in lockdown, in my opinion, even though those are 3-2 series. 
And I feel like the I could see the Celtics Bucks series maybe going one way, and the Warriors Grizzlies series has just been kind of like uh, there's an interesting thing. I really thought after Jaw went down that that series would go to the Warriors, but the Grizzlies have proven that they're worthy of being in the spot they are in in the playoffs, and that they're going to play till the end, which makes that series more fun to watch. So those games tomorrow definitely more intriguing to me. Uh, interesting. Uh, since I guess we're not going to be back, probably since it won't be until next Tuesday when we'll be back on the air and all these series will probably be over, I'll probably say, I mean, I, like you said, Bucks in Milwaukee trying to close out the series. I think it's hard to bet against Giannis and the Bucks to not close out that series, but I, I, I really could see that going to a seven. Um, and maybe the Celtics pulled out, but uh, and then Grizzlies, Warriors. So I'll say Bucks probably find a way to close out the series, and then Grizzlies, Warriors. I mean, maybe it's just the way I am right now, but I, it's hard to say because, like you said, I mean, the Warriors could turn on the three-point bucket at any time in one game, and then it's going to be, you know, it's so hard to stop that when those guys are hitting threes. But the Grizzlies, man, they just got that dog in them, you know. They got that, you know, they, I mean, they've been able to do without Jaw. If Jaw comes back, that'd be awesome, and, and they could be even more. But they just got that dog, and that makes me hard to root hard for me to root against them because they they just the way they've been playing without him and so i would love this i think the grizzlies can pull that dog out make an awesome comeback uh at one point being down three one and maybe win the series but it's just so hard to bet against the warriors because they you know they can splice threes in any time but uh yeah so uh we're getting basically exactly right at that 50 minute mark so i think that's gonna wrap it up for today's episode uh we hope you enjoyed some NHL and NBA playoff talk. Make sure you catch the games tonight. I think the first of those games, six o'clock games, are just about to start here. So, uh, yeah, we'll probably oh, make be- sure you are able to follow us on Twitter at the CNC Sports, CNC Sportscast, so you can get all the updates of the newest episodes. Yeah, make sure you go drop a follow on the Twitter, and uh, yeah, so make sure you catch the games tonight. We'll probably be back next Tuesday, uh, giving our analysis of all probably how all those series ended or maybe are still going. They probably all come to an end by then, but yeah. Uh, until next time, we'll see you next. We'll see you next time.